Lions fans. It's time for the podcast you've been waiting for. The show where Kool-Aid runs blue, faces turn red, and rose-colored glasses never go out of style. This is the Detroit Lions Podcast. What's going on, everybody? Welcome in to the Detroit Lions Podcast. This is Bischoff and Brown here. I'm Russ Brown. That's Scott Bischoff. And we're back after a Monday night, a very successful Monday night. Um, Scott, how are you? I am doing great. It's good to be with you. Looking forward to the little bye week action, in action, non-action that we have. Uh, Comes at a great time. We'll get into that. How are you doing? Dude, I'm good. Uh, Yesterday was slow rolling for me, late Monday night. What were you doing late Monday night? I was not (laughs) intending to drink the amount of beers I had, but... uh, I was downtown Fort Field with the fine folks that uh, support the Lions and 60,000 strong there. And uh, I think we blew the roof off a little bit. It was cool. Uh, they had like the, I don't know, the the, re- the the reader of, you know, the decibels and all that stuff. And like the average was like 116 according to whatever they flashed. And then all of a sudden at times we'd hit like 118 and a half and 119. And I'm like, I mean, I've been to a lot of Lions games in the past. I haven't been in like 10 years. Uh, for some of the reasons I stated before, but uh, yeah, it was cool, man. Took my kid, his best friend was with us, his buddy's dad was with us, so it was all good, and um, I'd never seen so many people at a Lions game before, and I'd never heard it so loud in my life, so I think, you know, obviously Monday night has something to do with that, but being a good football team again certainly plays that part, but just a dominating performance for Detroit. Um they, they win on Monday night, 26 to 14. That's where we're going to jump in. Uh, we'll, we'll get into some of the bye week trade deadline stuff. We'll talk a couple of prospects for you guys as well because, I mean, there's bye week. There's nothing to really preview this weekend. We'll worry about the Chargers next week and uh, we'll get started for, for that next week. But big win, 26 14, double digit victory. It got a little close for a minute, out, you know, but outside of that pick six from Jared Goff, which just a great defensive play, outside of that, this game wasn't close. The Lions absolutely dominated the Raiders in every aspect of a football team and every every aspect of a football game. I mean, in the trenches, offense, defense, it didn't matter what they did. The Lions just rolled. And I, I loved what I saw. I, lo- I mean, I rewatched the game live. I rewatched the, or the live broadcast, I should say. I rewatched the All-22 already. I was at the game. So I've seen it three times and it's just like, man, it was a beautiful performance. Even if the play calling in the first half down near the red zone was a little, a little shaky, but I think that just Lions getting creative. I think that was Ben Johnson trying to do a little bit too much, but what was your takeaway from this game? I mean, that's kind of a, a broad question, I guess, or a very bland question, but what were some of your takeaways? Well, I mean, I think the takeaway is exactly what you just said was um, a little bit of Let's try this, right? This is the team to try this this with. Um, yeah, I mean, you want it. You don't want to kick a bunch of field goals. You know, you'd like to be more efficient in the red zone, but in this particular game, it's okay. Um, I I liked how. Now I don't know how how it looked in person, and it's always a great perspective to see things in person because it's so different than watching on TV and watching the, 
uh, the all 22, but like, um, they blitzed, they blitzed a lot uh, they blitzed a lot on Monday mm-hmm. and you know, uh, there were times where they left, like Kim Sutton was on an Island a bit with, with Devonte Adams and he did get beat a little bit, but again, with this particular team and that court and, and Jimmy Garoppolo, if you just give him a hint of pressure, right? Like, okay, he's not the same. He's just not the same guy. So I like that they, they, you know, they brought pressure from different places. Um, I thought Lee McNeil looked really good. Not surprised. I think he, I mean, he's a very good player, but you know, pressure from different places. And that was, it was cool to see. Um, Amon Ra's ridiculous. Jameer Gibbs was awesome. Yeah. Trying to, I mean, just like stringing together the good stuff, the the not so good stuff. I mean, I don't think there was a a, a bunch of not so good stuff. I think that when you're when you're playing, um, you know, a different O line combination again, and you don't have your Pro Bowl center, neither of your starting guards, and you do what they did running the ball conventionally. Uh, Gibbs looked really good running the ball between the tackles. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, I just again a dominant performance, but much needed. Um, even in even with some adversity, with a bunch of players that you don't that aren't regular starters for them, and they look good. Uh, I don't, you know, the the play the golf play still has me a little bit uh, confused. Like, so in person, what did that look like? Because to me, it looked like he was trying to throw the ball away. Yeah, I from what it looked like, he just was a little bit too late on turning to his right on that read. Um, and then he just delivered a late ball. Uh, and I, I think it was one of those where it was just the timing wasn't there between him and the receiver and the defender yeah. jumped the route and, and took it to the house. But when he looked to the right, cause if I remember correctly, he was kind of looking towards the middle or maybe a little bit more to like the left. And then all of a sudden he flips to the right and he slings it. And when it left his hand, I saw the defender and I go, Oh no. <laughs> and like, just in your what head, you you're like, was, drop it, drop it. What do you think was going on in his brain at that moment? Oh, yeah. Oh, I mean, shit. Yeah, exactly. And it was like you could, when the ball left his hand, it, that was like the quietest the stadium had been all night. Like, yeah. it pin could drop and you could hear it. And it was just like, okay, well, here we go. And, you know, they they, they responded and they they came back and they got the points back and they they, again, they they did exactly what they needed to do. Their ability to run the football is legit, no matter who's running the ball. It yeah. could be Gibbs. It could be Montgomery. It could be the combination. Craig Reynolds ran the ball well. So he did. He did. I, I love what I saw from Gibbs. He looked like a first rounder. Um, I mean, that's the way he should look all the time. And I get it. It's it's so hard that that slashing kind of stuff is what I thought. He looked like that at Georgia Tech, mm-hmm. like very much like Jamal Charles. Yep, it just it, you know, Jamal Charles was awesome. But it's I'm, I'm talking more stylistically. Like if you get him into space, uh, dangerous, right? And he gets into space quick on his own. How many plays were did he were there like shoestring tackles on him in that game? Where man, if he gets out of that little tackle there, he's 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 busting one off. Um, and having said that, he had a huge game. I think what do you have? One hundred and eighty, some you know, one hundred eighty-three yards total. Four uh, catches, touchdown. Yeah. You know, one hundred one hundred eighty-nine yards total. Okay, um, you know, my, so the only thing that I and I'm I feel like I'm pregnant. 
It's just ridiculous. Oh, no. We don't want that. <laughs> well, I, yeah. Um, but it's the, it's this idea. Like last year they won, what were they? Uh, I don't even know. What did they finish? The, they, what did they finish the season last year with? A bunch of wins, right? And two losses, whatever it was. Yep. So obviously they, they finished the second half or the second two thirds of the season in, in very good fashion. And they were, a, they were, they were a really good football team over the last X number of games last year. And I, and if I had, if I had prepared for this on any level, I would know this, but, um, so they went eight and two down that stretch. What's that? They went eight and two down that stretch. Thank you. Eight and two. See, eight and two over their last 10 games. So obviously a very good football team over the last 10 games last year. And then you throw in, whether you like the draft or not, you throw in Jameer Gibbs, prominent role in week eight. You throw in um, Jack Campbell. Jack Campbell had a prominent role. Right? He played a lot of snaps for them in yep. that game. Laporta is a dude, mm-hmm. right? Brian Branch is a dude. And it's like as good as good of vibes as there were after last season, you've thrown those four guys. You have Colby Soresdale starting for them as a rookie, looking, I would say, okay. He looked fine. Yeah, you know, pick, absolutely. Yeah, and, and I mean, clearly a developmental player, but not so far, you know, not so big of a project that you can't play him. Yeah. So, like, there's four guys who are take who have taken huge roles for this team as rookies. Then you have the guard. Hendon Hooker is here. And you know what I mean? Like it's it's like as great as they were to finish the season, you have you've you've added you've added that's why I feel pregnant almost. It sounds stupid, but there is something happening here, and we'll get into the trade deadline. But they are building, they have built something pretty special very quickly. And Eight and two last year, and you had four four rookies who are playing serious minutes and producing for you. I mean, what what is their negative to even think about at this point? They're I think they're the number two team in the NFC. Yeah. Um, the schedule kind of opens up for them. The buy comes at a great time. They can get healthy. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, like I, I think it's I feel I, like I, it's free Baltimore again. <laughs> Right. I, I think it's more so just name value, right? Like they look at it and they're like, well, you know, Julian Okora is not going to get you sacks every single week. Romeo Okora is not going to get you a bunch of sacks every week. It's not, it's, it's, I think the lack of consistency. And when you know that there's a potential trade waiting in the wings for a Montez Sweat or a Chase Young, that's where people were getting up in arms over the trade deadline, which we'll get into here in a minute. But really just kind of put, for me, putting a bow on, on the Raiders stuff, it's just, you mentioned the defense. They brought a ton of pressure and huge props to Cam Sutton and Jerry Jacobs. I mean, Jacoby Myers and Devontae Adams were two guys that we talked about last week that they're going to get theirs. They're going to get their four, five, six receptions in this game. No, they they were both limited to one catch each. Myers was held to one target in the game. Yeah. And the pressure forced a bunch of bad throws, overthrows, underthrows to Devontae Adams. And It's just a masterful job by Sutton and Jerry Jacobs. And for Jerry Jacobs to get the bashing that he's been getting over the course of his career by some of the fans here, and not every fan, but certain fans, it's just very unwarranted because he's a very good corner for being undrafted and for the amount of snaps that he gets, 
he plays extremely well, I think, in a lot of high-pressure situations because Cam Sun's not getting the ball targeted his way all the time. It's a lot on Jerry Jacobs being on an island, and he does really good stuff. So, I and I just that's a takeaway too is Jacobs has kind of emerged as mm-hmm. as a player who is super important for them. And we, you know, I know you thought it in uh, about the Baltimore game as soon as you saw him pop up on the injury report. It's oh, yeah, uh, it's a thing. I, I could see you could see um, teams getting after Sutton in the back half of this season because they just don't want to target Jerry Jacobs. Right. You know, and I could see that being a thing. Like, that's how important he is, which is, again, you know, crazy to think about. But, you know, he just he's a baller. He just plays. You know, he just makes plays. It's impressive. Yeah. Very impressive. Yeah. And and I'll be I'll be intrigued to see what, you know, a, another player that's kind of been forgotten about because he hasn't been active is Broderick Martin. He finally got some snaps this week. He got a tackle. And it's like, hey, if Isaiah Bugs can't go, cool, you got Broderick Martin out. And it's like, well, once they both get able to go, I mean, you're going to be able to rotate in and out certain pieces to to the pie here. And it's it's going to be awesome. I mean, I think that's where they look at it. They go, look, we got Benito Jones. We got Isaiah Bugs, We got Broderick Martin. We got Josh Paschal, John Kaminsky, Aiden Hutchinson, and the Acora Bros, Charles Harris, they're pretty deep on their defensive line. Like yeah. they have guys James that are, Houston returning, hopefully. Yeah. It's, yeah. It, you know, you have established players that have been a part of what you've been building. It's hard to give up those guys to go get a flashy name. Like I, I understand the sexy value of it all, but at the same time, like you, you, they're true to who they are. They, they're true to the guys that are helping them get to where they need to be. And it's just simple as that. And, I, I loved seeing it, and I think it showed in this game against the Raiders, and I think in a lot of the wins that they've had this year, it's shown with guys that they have drafted, signed via free agency, or just developed throughout this tenure of Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell. They're true to what they have, and it's phenomenal. And that's why I think that's why they've become so good so fast, because these players are given a chance, and they be- they have people believing in them, where... You're not just a number. You're not just a business decision. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's it's just different. And I think it showed in this game against against the Raiders again. Twenty six fourteen, big Monday night game could have been a letdown spot. I, I understand how can it be a letdown spot, but it's just how the NFL works sometimes. Yeah. And it wasn't. They didn't let anybody down. And in fact, uh, Josh McDaniels was let go uh, after he got his uh, his candy ass kicked by Dan Campbell. So it was cool. Um, but but the next day, trade deadline stuff, only move the Lions make is Donovan Peoples-Jones, wide receiver out of the Cleveland Browns, former uh, Michigan Wolverine, played at Cass Tech, pretty familiar with the area, diehard Lions fan, I would have to assume, and he comes home. Uh, your takeaway on the trade, did you expect Donovan Peoples-Jones, or really an offensive mood? Were, were you expecting more defense? What was your thoughts here on think We were all thinking... Defense, but when you think about, um, to me, he's he's a he's an upgraded uh, Mar- Marvin Jones. As far as like what Marvin Jones is, uh, the point of him being on the roster and what and what he does for for their offense, right? No Marvin Jones. Now you have Donovan Peoples Jones. Um, I think he helps in the red zone. I think he helps to clear space. Uh, as an as an as a boundary, you know, outside X receiver, he's big, he can run, 
He can do all those things. He's been productive in the past. It's super intriguing um, thinking about the bigger bodied guy and what that what that does. I think he's a good route runner. I think he's a reliable route runner. That is a, that's uh, you know that's an important thing for Jared Goff for sure. Is for him to develop trust that if I'm throwing the ball to you, this is where my expectation, this is where you need to be, kind of thing. Um, so I, I mean, I, you know, I to me, you gave up a 2025 20, sixth round pick for something that you didn't necessarily have on offense. The big-bodied outside receiver. I mean, you have Reynolds, but then after that, it's it's uh, Amon Ra small and smaller slot receiver. Khalif is small. Jamison is wiry thin. Uh, so you didn't have that, right? So you know, I just look at it like he can return kicks. He's he's a backup in a, in a variety of places. You gave up next to nothing for him, and he's something that you were missing. You didn't have on offense. And it's just another piece. It's a, it's another weapon for them on offense. Um, what I mean, what do you think of of people's jumps? I no, I I'm excited about it. I mean, it's one of those guys that where when we got into the summer and you kind of looked at the wide receiver room, I, I was looking at like different route combinations, like hitch team concepts and guys that can take the top off the defense with vertical routes and clearing out space for guys underneath, like St. Brown or JMO or even Gibbs or in, in this case, even Laporta, and you thought, okay, maybe that guy is Marvin Jones, maybe that's Josh Reynolds, maybe at times it's J-Mo, um, and I even thought like Antoine Green would have had a role by now, but he's just as, he's not developed the way that they thought. But furthermore, I you know, Josh Reynolds is limited in a sense, like he can only do so much, like he's a very decent number two, number three receiver, yeah. but once, once they lost Marvin Jones, I think they realized, okay, we need another piece to the puzzle here because if St. Brown does go down at any point, it gets kind of thin. And yeah. when you have J-Mo who had another drop on Monday night, if those continue and you can't get that confidence up and the rapport is not there with Goff and the trust isn't there with Goff to J-Mo, you can only do so much with St. Brown. And again, Josh Reynolds is good for two, three, maybe four receptions in a, on a good game. But outside of that, there was a lot of limitations. You bring in a guy that had 61 receptions a season ago, over 800 yards, three touchdowns, almost a 45-inch vertical. Like, you didn't have that previously. Yeah. Yeah. Now you do. So, Yeah, I think he, I, told, he completely balances the wide receiver room that they have. Yeah, and it, and the best part is it was a sixth-round pick for 2022 years. Right? Yeah. yeah. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, no offense, like that pick's not going to matter in two years. And there's a good chance that they're going to get that pick back or another pick somehow, some way when they reconstruct their roster in the spring or next summer or whatever it is. So yeah, I'm fine with the move. I think it's a great move. And you take a gamble on a guy, same type of gamble they took on Denzel Mims, same type of gamble they took on Marvin Jones. I think that this pays off in a little bit of a bigger way. And it wouldn't surprise me if he ended up getting a one, maybe two-year contract at the end of the year, just simply because that's kind of the way the NFL start to work for some of these type, you know, these types of guys. He's yeah. he, people's Jones getting a four or five year contract is going to be very rare um after this season. I would be stunned. So yeah. He's just he's something he he adds something they didn't have. Exactly. And, and essentially, you know, you're getting half a season from him on this on on this on his current deal 
you know, we'll see what happens. It's just, uh, I know that there was a lot of, it seemed there, there was a lot of frustration. Yeah. Um, about Montez Sweat and Chase Young. I do think, um, everyone has the permission to yell at me in the future when, when I fret about what the Lions are doing or what's happening. Or I, I show some, like, uh, you know, I question what they're doing or whatever it is. Um, we're, the Lions are going to play more meaningful games than Monday night in week eight and more meaningful than week four. And we, this season, they're going to. So, you know, um, we can't lose our minds about them not trading for a player who may or may not help them. Yeah. Um, Montez Sweat, I think, I think would have been a different story because I do think that he, he could have been a player that did help them. But in order to get into that conversation, you were going to have to give up your first round pick mm-hmm. to beat Chicago's early sure. second or top 40 second rounder. Yep. It sounds like Atlanta had a deal with Washington. So you were going to have to beat Atlanta's deal too, their second round pick. Um, and they were going to, and they were going to extend sweat. So, so that was the, that's the conversation is, did you want to give up a first round pick and sign him? And the answer should be no to those things. If you want to sign him in the off season, cool. You can, he's going to be a free agent. That's a little yep. bit of the confusion behind what Chicago did. Um, as far as and, and and you know, I think he would have been a fine fit for what they are and and where they are. As far as Chase Young goes, I, there are, the injury history with Chase Young is significant. He's been good this year, but you know, um, has he been good enough to trust him going forward? I don't know. And his injury history and maybe what you would say freelancing a touch as a player, I'm not sure that he's a fit. Right. Specific to what the Lions locker room looks like. So I know that, yes, San Francisco went out and got him, and it's frustrating to see the Eagles and the 49ers make moves where they bolster their teams. But I'm not sure that Young is a player that, um, I mean, Washington let him go for a compensatory third-round pick. That's really nothing. And that's all San Francisco was willing to give up for him. That's telling. You know, I don't know what your thoughts are there, but, you know, that's kind of the trade deadline to me. It's, they didn't give up anything in the future. They kind of ro- they're rocking with what they have. Um, you know, would it be would have been great for them to make a splash and trade for Max Crosby? Sure. It's not available or Devontae Adams. I don't even think the, I mean, it sounds like those guys were were busy firing dudes. They weren't available to talk to, you know, um, did we want Brian Burns? Of course, but. They'd already, Carolina had already turned down multiple first round. I think it was the Rams who offered multiple firsts and a third for him. Yep. That's a lot. But even then, we had spoke last week on it. We said Brian Burns wasn't going to get done. Like, if you have a franchise type player that doesn't have a lot of injury concerns, doesn't have a lot of baggage off the field, you're not trading them specifically for second or third round picks. No, And I get it. They were potentially offered multiple first, but even then you're not going to give up that type of player because you're trying to win now and you have a potential franchise quarterback in Bryce Young. And we can go down that whole rabbit hole with Carolina, but I, I want to turn back to Montez Sweat and Chase Young because they those were the realistic options. They yeah. we, knew they, we knew they were getting dealt. We didn't think both of them were getting dealt. Yeah. And 
I'm going to start with Montez Sweat on uh, spotrack.com or I don't, I don't even know how to say the website, yeah. but if you go to his market value, it's calculated that he's going to get a four-year deal at $102 million. So that's $25.5 million per year. You bring up a great point. You're going to have to find a way to beat the deal of Chicago of the right now, the projected 35th overall pick, which keep in mind, they've done this early second round trade for, uh, which was the 32nd overall pick a few years ago for Chase Claypool. That didn't work out. Yeah. So you're get, they're giving up early draft picks for guys that are no longer on the team. The same could be said here with Montez Sweat. Did you want the Lions to do that? Did you want them to part with the 28th or 29th or maybe even the 32nd overall pick of the draft? I I know I wouldn't have because I don't know if Montez Sweat was going to be here or not. Because waiting in the wings is Amonra St. Brown. Got to pay him. Jared Goff, you know you're going to have to pay him. Aiden Hutchinson, eventually, you're going to have to start the framework for that deal. Jonah Jackson. Jonah Jackson. And that's the other thing. Jonah Jackson's not under contract. Big V's probably done after this year. Graham Glasgow's only on a one-year deal. He's done after this year. You're going to need interior offensive line help. Is it smart to give up assets to go get a player like Montez Sweat or Chase Young because of right now, because you think we're going to win a Super Bowl? Because guess what happens if they don't win the Super Bowl and they don't have the draft capital? Now they're a bunch of idiots because they traded for guys that aren't going to be here. So, yeah, I mean, it's it was it's frustrating. It was there. There was an element of... I guess they don't think they're competing this year because they didn't make one of these deals. And it's, I, I'm not, I guess I just don't, I'm not understanding that. Yeah. They're six and two. So they're, they're, they're not making the deal. They're six and two. They, they go to the bye week and now when they get back, cause they didn't trade for a defensive end, they're done. That's how we operate now. They can't win without those guys now. <laughs> so that's why I started this with, with a little bit of, we all need to, we all need to buckle up. <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, um, I don't know if, if we can remember back to the Red Wings back in the, in the early 90s, early to mid 90s, when they were really when they were starting to get over the hump. Um, it, it wasn't all smooth sailing. You know, they I mean, they lost at times and, they, you know, they won at times, too. But, you know, um, we, <laughs> we all got to buckle up. It's yeah. they're going to play very stressful games. Uh, they just are. And clearly, they're comfortable with what they have. Mm-hmm. Now, injuries are going to suck. Uh, injuries are coming. You know that's happening. It's just it's one of those things where, you know, you know they're coming. So, in the end, it's would you? I would have loved Sweat to to have been here. That'd have been great. Not at that price though. Right. Right. And Chase Young. Eh. You know I. I don't know. I mean, it, this is year four for him. Um. There's been a lot of injuries and a lot of just he just hasn't lived up to you know to his draft to his draft billing. But I understand the other side of it too that it's just a third round pick and it's a late third round pick. I get it. Do you want to do you want to pay him if he gets? I mean, you know, this best case scenario, you you make that move. Chase Young comes here, he gets you a bunch of sacks in the final nine games, and you feel an obligation to pay him. And boom, injuries come back. Yep, and it looks yep. like a bad decision. And it's only a, it's only a good decision, really, if you win the Super Bowl. Mm, yeah, exactly. And, and so I don't know if Chase Young was 
as a player by himself is enough to propel them ahead of these other teams anyway. So to me, it's kind of like, you know, did, did these other teams really help themselves all that much? I don't, I don't know. You know, I'll I see. mean, for, for Montez sweat going to the bears. Okay, cool. Enjoy your six and 11 record or seven and nine or whatever you're going to be cool. Good for you. It's all good. Chase young. Okay. You go to a great spot. It's awesome. You're playing, you know, with Eric Armstead, Nick Bosa, Javon Hargrave. And I understand, you know, in 2017 and 2018, when Bosa and, and Young, when they were together, they had 170 total plus pressures together. They had 42 sacks together. Like, I get all of it. I understand all of it. But with Chase Young, like, the big thing that I have is it, it the, the way I'm looking at the timeline for him, it, boy, is it sure looking pretty similar to Jadavion Clowney 2.0. Yeah, And th- I mean, that's the first name that pops up when you look at it. Year four, Clowney in 2017, his, his career high was nine and a half sacks. The very next year, he had nine sacks. Then he was dealt to Seattle. He had three sacks. Then he goes to Tennessee, two years with Cleveland. Now he's in Baltimore. He seems to be doing okay in Baltimore. But like, are you really going to give up the draft capital that you might need now and potentially giving a guy... 17 to 20 million dollars as a, as a contract for Jadavion Clowney 2.0. I know I wouldn't. I just I wouldn't. I I that's just not the way I, I would either. And then like I think about him as a run defender and and it's all right if you're San Francisco you are loading up. Yeah. But teams like the Lions in Philly are are set up to kind of run through a team like San Francisco just running the ball on offense. Now yeah. whether they are able to stop you know the 49ers you know, on defense is a whole other story, but um, I don't know that Young helps you in, as a run defender. And I don't know, truthfully, you know, he should give you some as a pass rusher, but, you know, this is where we where we have to trust in what the Lions are telling us when they come out and, you know, we traded for Donovan Peoples-Jones. He's a great fit for us in our, lo- in our room. And, you know, when they talk about, or don't talk about a player like Chase Young. There's a reason. Yeah, we know what the reason is. It's not necessarily a culture fit. So yeah. I don't think expecting them to bring in a player who might not be a great fit for them is is what is what they're currently into. You know, they're they're the build that they've set in motion is um, has been you know it's been expedited with what they've added in the draft and in free agency and that kind of stuff. But um, I, you know, I don't think there's any desperation to, to add on to add anything to it. Just, just, just to add something to it, right? I don't know that Young is gonna would help them. Clearly, he would help them, but how much? It's a different story, and yeah. we don't know totally uh, all of the backstory about all of it anyway. So it's just hard. It's hard to see how upset <laughs> some people were. It's not hard. It just was confusing to see how upset some people were. You're six and two. You're the number two team in in your conference going into the bye, getting healthy. Schedule kind of opens up where it's like, you know, things things should go really well in the back half of the season. Uh, I wouldn't think that they should be, you know, upsetting things by adding a player. No, and... And keep in mind, Chase Young goes to a football team where you have a better record than... I mean, you just got to win the majority of your games here down the stretch and you finish with a better record and it's all good. I mean, right now the 49ers kind of look broken. They're five and three. I mean, yeah. 
Brock yeah. Purdy's kind of starting to show his true self a little bit. And, you know, yeah. those some of that off. turnover luck is is going the other way for sure. Yeah. I mean, Debo's yeah. banged up. CMC's a little bit banged up. I mean, Trent Williams is I mean, banged up. It doesn't up. strike you as a move of, not desperation, because it's not like they gave up much anyway, but it does feel like a swing. You know, ah, what do we have to lose? Let's, yeah. you know, let's take a swing. Right. Maybe they're in a position to do that. You know, I don't know. Um, yeah, no, and I and I think when you look at a team like San Francisco, I think they have a window, right, of winning all these games and making a run. The same for the Buffalo Bills. I think there's a window. Like, are they going to be good and competitive for a while? Absolutely. There's too much young talent, and there's too much of a of a glue there in the core of your team to where you aren't going to be good. But you know, if Purdy again starts showing his true self, he starts having these costly turnovers. You start losing these football games, and that's what's happening. Yeah. So I think with Detroit, they're going to be just fine. They're going to be just fine. They're very winnable games down the stretch. They're going to just take it one game at a time, and it is what it is. So, um, I mean, I, that's it for the trade deadline stuff for me. I, yeah. We can go back and forth on Chase Young and Sweat and all that. And it's great. It, again, it's good banter. I get why people are upset. And at the same time, I don't understand why you're upset, but it is what it is. We're a six and two football team. We've got a winnable schedule in the second half. We're pushing for a home playoff game, which would be absolutely wild, which is what I was saying pre-show. If the Lions get a home playoff game with how the atmosphere was on Monday night, holy moly, I could not imagine what a, a playoff game on a Saturday or a Sunday afternoon would be like here in this city. And that's just got to be the goal right now. That's got to be the, the end goal here. Try to go six and two in this second half of the season. And think about know, like, Potentially even two home playoff games. Dude, it's yeah. nuts. Yeah. And, and you could be in a position to maybe run the table and have them all here. I mean, you, you don't know. If you get the, you know, you get the if you get the first round by, you never know what's gonna happen. So yeah. Yeah. I, I love what we're doing. I love how it's looking. Um good bounce good bounce back win against the Raiders. But yeah, for sure. With the bye week, normally we would jump into a little preview here of of the next opponent. We'll worry about the Chargers next week. Right now, I mean, it's it's a little draft talk. We wanted to sprinkle this in. We know in the coming weeks, we're going to probably add an episode to the show and do, you know, some draft stuff here and there, maybe a, a 20, 30 minutes at most, and just start prepping you guys for what is going to happen after the season. But with that, I mean, the Lions are projected right now to be the 28th or 29th pick of the draft. So... It it's, feels really weird, doesn't it? Because we don't have to focus on one or four guys. It's, exactly. Like right now, we're not worried about Brock Bowers or Caleb Williams or uh, Joe Alt from Notre Dame or any of these top prospects. We're worried about some of the guys that are borderline first rounders or early second round picks. But swinging to you, I mean, there's a couple of intriguing names in the back end of the first round that I'm very much intrigued with. I'm going to butcher a couple of names when I get to mine, but who are maybe a, a, a two to maybe three players that you're really intrigued with right now that maybe the Lions should you know, circle or our fan base should circle and maybe pay attention to this Saturday coming up because it's a great college football slate this weekend. So maybe um, let's just... Uh, in in the absence of naming names, um, and we can do that too, but th- there are position groups in this draft that are, if you're in a position to need a, a, a tackle in, you know, 
if you if you need a tackle, this is a great draft to need a tackle. Yeah, it is. There are, uh, and you know, and what feels like in the previous couple of years, there have been undersized, like Skaronsky, for example, is kind of fits this the bill of what I'm talking about. Like, is he a guard? Is he a tackle? He's got shorter arms. Kind of, you know, who knows? There are a bunch of tackles in this coming class who are no issues with length at all. Like uh, Joe Alt's huge. He's six, eight with really long arms, or at least they look like long, long arms. Olufashanu from Penn state. I think he has like 34 plus inch arms at however big he is. And he moves crazy. It's, you know, um, so, you know, there are, uh, there's a bunch of guys who I think if you're in the market for a, a tackle, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a great, it's a great time to take one, but, the back, you know, the back in the mid twenties, good time to take an interior offensive lineman. Yeah. Michigan's got one, you know, the right guard. Um, yeah, I mean, I think he would, he, you know, you just plug and play that guy, and all right, he's gonna he's gonna play for X number of years for you, yeah, right. Um, and then there's there are some who who are playing tackle, like uh, I think his name's Graham Barton from Duke. I, I hope. It's embarrassing yep. if I get that one. No, that's right. You're correct. Uh, I think he may play guard in the NFL, but at a pretty high level. So mm-hmm. it's that kind of prospect um, as far as on the O-line. It's tough to know, like even right now, what position. Like where where could we in eight or nine or 10 or 12 weeks, whatever it is, where do you project, you know, what what position do you project them needing? Pass rusher is always important. Yep. You know, well, and I, I got a pass rusher. Uh, I'm going to butcher his last name. And and for fantasy pros, I, I have a, a mock draft dropping either tomorrow or or the next day, depending on on when it all gets kind of pushed out. But um, you know, Florida's got an edge rusher, uh, Princely you you Menemen or something like that, or you men you you Manly or something. Yeah, we'll I, I can't. I dude, I can't say his name. I don't know. Yeah, um, and I don't want to like pull it up and how to say it, and then it just starts saying. It. I know. I, yeah, we'll get we'll get there with some of these guys. I mean, they're you know you've got. A bunch of those. Um, uh, UCLA's got one. Lie to lie to. Like, yeah, uh, he's a dude. Uh, how you know? I don't know how high a player like that's going to go because I don't think he's like super quick or explosive off the edge, but he's very productive. He's got great hands. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, I think that if we just generalize and look at positions, it's a great time to need an offensive tackle. Great draft for that. Interior O line is it's it's good for that. Wide receivers are loaded this year. Be a great time to take a wide receiver. Not that you want to take another one. You just took JMO, but um, think about a player like uh, like Emeka Ibuka from Ohio State. I don't think he'll be there for them, but at that kind of a player, very yeah. polished route runner, super savvy player. Um, receivers are kind of important, you know. Um, even corner. I mean, you look at the cornerback corner, spot. Yeah. There's a ton of corners in this draft, specifically where the Lions are going to be drafting. I mean, you have Nate Wiggins from Clemson, who's really intriguing, a physical press man type of corner. So Good for the Lions, yeah. And, and I mean, the Lions they they run a lot of cover one. So if they run a you know the cover one man stuff or even a cover two man look, they they could very well take another guy opposite of Cam Sutton if they want to move Jerry Jacobs inside or whatever. I mean. Uh, Wiggins has only given up seven receptions this year. So like he could very much be maybe the best corner in this draft. I still think it's Kalen King. I know he got cooked by Marvin Harrison Jr., but he's just so athletic. I think he could very well be the top guy. 
Um, Cooper Dijon from Iowa, special team yeah. guy, so fast. Um, Kool-Aid. Man, Kool-Aid, yeah. yeah. Maybe the most consistent DB, Denzel Burke yeah. out of Ohio State, another guy. Um, so, I mean, you just go down the list. There, there's there's talent in, in the players that they need or we wanted them to make a trade for. Yeah, there's a plethora of guys here in the draft that I think we're going to talk about more as we get closer to it and, and as we cycle through draft stuff. Yeah, and the, the nice thing about the drafting in, say, the mid-20s is that, and I've always, I've always felt like this, like when you're in the top 10, you're taking you're taking a player based on, in a lot of ways, on their upside and not necessarily what they've shown you on film that, that they can do. But, hey, the traits are through the roof. Um, a lot of them are like redshirt sophomores or, or juniors. So, you know, they're younger players. But when you get into the into the mid-20s, you're looking at uh, the studs that come from the Senior Bowl, those guys. You're looking at uh, players who are going to step in and be very good, reliable football players, but maybe not, you know, Debo Samuel went late in the 20s. It's that kind of thing. Like, um, you're getting a really good football player, just maybe not a player with huge upside, but a player is going to fill a need for you right away. And I think teams that that are good and draft in the mid twenties, always kind of steal players in the mid twenties. Cause, cause in the last, I, as long as I can remember, it's been okay. The lions are, um, the lions pick fourth on day two. And here's a list of 10 guys. I would love for them to, to have available to them. And, you know, five of them just went in the last five picks. Yeah. Of round one kind of thing. So it's just, a, it's an entirely different group of players, but it's it's also some of these players I think give you instant return and are are not players who need time. They're just ready to go. So um I think this you know corner, pass rusher, um offensive line, either tackle or interior offensive lineman is kind of where I would be right now with them. And it's you know it's a it's a good year to have it's a good it's a good draft for those positions. Specific yeah. to those positions. I'm surprised you didn't hype up at offensive tackle your your boy Kingsley from BYU. I just go by role. He's a I'm gonna get into him. He would be he would be dynamic because he is Penny Sewell's cousin. So it'd be kind of a cool thing. But I wonder if he can play left tackle or you know, as a guard. <laughs> yeah. And that right guard with, with Panay would be nasty. Yes. That would be nasty. But his ability I, to move yeah, I, I and I'm with you. I, I watched him over the weekend. I've been playing a lot of catch up these last, you know, eight, seven, eight days, nine days, and I watched him a little bit over the weekend. And I was like, okay, I see what Scott's talking about. And then I'm like, I think he's going to be gone by the time the Lions are picking because you look yeah. at the team in front of them. You got the New York Jets, you know, potentially the Giants. Uh, maybe maybe they move out of that number five spot if that's where they end up being. I think there's teams that could use some guard tackle help the Lions might miss out on a guy like that just simply because of the need and, and the overall value of, of, you know, what he provides. He's only like uh, 21, I think he is, or tw- maybe even 20. He, just be, he might be 20, yeah. Yeah, he, I mean, he's a young dude. And coming out of BYU, normally those guys are like 24, 25. And yeah, this guy's yeah, 20. He went to Oregon and and was there. He was there for one year and then he transferred. And he's this is his second year at BYU. So, and, you know, I think some of the reason with him, people aren't on to him yet is because they're, they're not sure he's going to be in the draft. Right. You know, but 
um, I think he's I think he's a seriously uh, impactful player who would be as a guard <laughs> the ability to move mm-hmm. and the power he plays with. Yeah, it'd be awesome. That yeah, kind of yeah. stuff, like you know, if they, if that's the player they they take on day one after you know whatever they do in the playoffs, I'd be very excited about that. Yeah, and right now it, it, it's me alone, but that's okay. <laughs> We're good. Yeah. Well, well, I'm. I would. I would be for. It. I always like watching the big uglies, so it's it's always fun. But again, we just wanted to mix some draft stuff in there, give you a couple of names to pay attention to, some position groups maybe to start studying. But again, we're we're not going to go heavy on the draft stuff because we're pushing for a division title for the first time since '93. We're pushing for the playoffs, and um, you know we'll see exactly kind of how this whole thing rolls. You know, but Lions beat the Raiders twenty six fourteen. We make a trade for for Donovan Peoples Jones, you know, basically 15 hours later, and um, people are up in arms about Montez Sweat and Chase Young. But so we wanted to talk about it a little bit, and we wanted to throw in some bye week filler with some draft stuff. So Scott, you got anything else for me? Yeah, we're good. We're good. We'll be we'll be back in a week, um, and then we'll. I think at, you know, as the season progresses, it would be it would be cool to do our normal weekly show, and then do another one that's just draft specific. Yeah. You know, that'd be, uh, that'd be fun. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get there on it. And, uh, you guys will definitely follow along and enjoy it. And if, uh, if you're not following along, you guys can follow us on Twitter at Russ NFL draft at Bischoff underscore Scott. Uh, as always, you guys can rate, review, and subscribe to the Detroit Lions podcast here on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all podcast platforms. So wherever you get your, your podcast, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show. So, We appreciate you guys joining us here on the Detroit Lions podcast. He's Scott Bischoff. I'm Russ Brown. Until next week, we'll talk to you then. Let's bring it here together. Let's go. Let's go, baby. Lions on three. One, two, three.